Hello and welcome to the Anchor Bible Study Podcast, a ministry of Rock Harbor Church. We want to help guide and grow you in your walk with the Lord by providing an in-depth study of God's Word with our Wednesday evening Bible studies here in this podcast. So please grab your Bibles and let's set a course for spiritual maturity. Here's Pastor Brandon with this week's lesson. So let's pray and we'll get into our lesson uh, in studying the spiritual war. Father, we ask that you'd be with us right now That we, in our studies of uh, the spirits of darkness, Satan, and the fallen angels, that we would understand how the game is being played against us um, in our walk with you. So uh, enlighten us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Give us the uh, understanding that we need to be able to fight with spiritual weapons and not carnal weapons. Give us wisdom now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Sam, can you get me to where um, I left off? Um, we're going to be finishing up um, the Isaiah 5, uh, Isaiah 5 I wills. Uh, yeah, one back. Go back. Uh, right there, the last one. Okay, so we're finishing up um, I will be like the most high. And we talked about authority. Um, we talk about uh Satan then tries to get authority, control, power, all these other things I'll, I'll outline in just a bit. Um, and last week we talked about how important it is to understand authority and how Satan will try to get you to follow a different authority and a different identity. And we uh, spent a lot of time on that. Um, so let's, let's move from here then to the last phrase in Isaiah 14. Uh, on the I five I wills, which is the condemnation of Satan. So let's go to the next slide. Yet you shall be brought down the shield to the lowest depths of the pit. Now this this verse right here could refer to either Satan or the Antichrist, because if you read the rest of Isaiah fourteen, uh, it intermingles uh, the fall of Satan and the five I wills, but it also inter, uh, intermingles in there the fall of of the Antichrist in his physical death, and it actually talks about the Antichrist being taken down into Sheol, and he's mocked as he goes down into Sheol. And obviously the Antichrist then is resurrected later on and then cast into the lake of fire, him and the false prophet. But this could be a reference to either Satan or the Antichrist. Sheol is the place of the dead. Um, and so as a human being, or or even a hybrid human being, the Antichrist would be brought down to Sheol. Here he has went down to uh, uh, the bottomless pit once and then was resurrected out of that. Uh, and if it refers to Satan, it could be referring to the pit or even Tartarus where he'll be bound for a thousand years uh, in the earth uh, during the millennial kingdom. And then it says to the lowest depths of the pit. So, um, the compartments of Sheol include four compartments. Tartarus is the lowest compartment where Genesis 6 angels go to. And then you have the bottomless pit where fallen angels and demons go to temporarily. Then you have Abraham's bosom, which is unoccupied at this point. It's where believers went before the cross. And then you have um, the pit, and that's where the unregenerate humans go. So, so either way, this could be referring to both. Uh, either Satan or Antichrist. But the point is, it's, it's referring to his judgment and, his, and where he's finally going to end up. And he finally ends up not just in Sheol, after he's released in the millennium to tempt people to attack Christ at the end of the millennium, then eventually he's thrown into the great what? Sorry. 
after the great white throne judgment, he's thrown into the lake of fire. Um, so uh, Sheol is, is a temporary place in confinement. Okay, with that being said, then I want to move into more of an application of understanding Satan. So Sam, just go ahead and go to my next slide. Is that the point right after? Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. So <coughs> now we're going to move into now the personality of Satan. Um, one of the things that um, we have to come to the, the understanding, and I'm sure you do, is that Satan is a real identity. He's a real person. He's a real being. Most people think that Satan is an, a force. Uh, he's the epitome of evil, but it's not really a person. Well, he is, and obviously the Greek, when you, you, you refer to him in the Greek or the Hebrew, it's always a masculine. It is he. He's an individual. He's a cherub. And, and so that the illusion that he is, is it, Satan is just a, a, a term we use for the force of evil, that's nonsensical uh, from a biblical perspective. But I know, quite frankly, a lot of liberal progressive Christians teach that there is really no entity like this. And this goes in line with what C.S. Lewis said, that you can make the mistake and totally ignore that Satan exists and the demonic realm and the fallen angels, and that's a major mistake. Or you can overemphasize him to the point that a demon or a fallen angel or Satan is under every rock in your, you know, outside. Um, and, and the both of them are extremes, and, but you don't want that of you. So really the hyper-charismatics put him under every rock, and the liberal Christians act as if they don't, he doesn't exist. Now, how do you know if a church believes in satanic warfare? It's because they will talk about it. If you find a church and they don't talk about war, spiritual warfare, they don't talk about Satan, they don't talk about fallen angels or demons and, and all those things, that's a good sign that you probably have uh, some liberality in the pastor or the church because why would they not talk about one of the main, main enemies that you and I have? And then if you go to the hyper-charismatic wing, then all of a sudden, I mean, everything is spiritualized. Everything is demonized. Everything is a fallen angel. And what ends up happening is when you overemphasize this and you make everything so super spiritual, it takes away human responsibility to where all of a sudden you start saying the, the thing, things like, well, the devil made me do it type of thing, or Satan led me astray or led me to the wrong parking place. And it's just before you know it, it's just way over spiritualizing the physical realm. So you got to have some type of balance, and a healthy balance is a healthy respect for the unseen realm and Satan, the fallen angels, but it doesn't mean that under every rock there lies a demon. So you have to balance it out. I will say this, um, I've seen more demonic activity in the last few years than I ever have in ministry. It's ramping up to an all-time high. I think I know why. So it's, it's prevalent, it's prevalent here in America. It's prevalent. It's prevalent... Uh, around us. It's all around us. So we have to understand the personality of Satan. So let's go through a couple things, and you can just write these down as we go. First aspect is his intellect. Now, because he's made to the fullest of his blueprint, as we studied, he's probably the most intelligent creature that God has ever made, beyond humans, okay? So he's very intellectual. Um, as we see in the scripture, he debates with God. He quotes scripture. He knows scripture. He has conversations. Um, 
and he obviously schemes. So you're talking about an individual that is, a, is highly intellectual, and probably no human could match his intellect ever. He's just beyond human. Now, except for the Messiah, who is the God-man. And because Jesus is the God-man, he has infinite knowledge and infinite wisdom and infinite intellect. So God obviously outdoes him by infinity. But when, when humans, this is important to understand, when humans start dealing even with the demonic, even with fallen angels, you are dealing with creatures that are extremely light years ahead of you intellectually. And so it is a mistake to think that you can take on a demon or a fallen angel on your own and think you, you can figure them out and, and intellectually out-argue them. And you can't. It's, that's not in the cards. You're going to get twisted up very quickly because they're highly intellectual. And that means that the only recourse that you have in dealing with them is the scriptures. That's the one thing you have to always fall on. You can't fall into human argumentations with them. Now, you see this a lot of times on TV and, and shows and what, whatever productions they're making, and you'll see these, these characters, these pastors, whatever, hirelings, trying to have a full-on conversation with them and try to outwit them. I remember Bob Larson. You, I don't know if you recall him. He used to be on the radio a long time ago. I don't know if the guy's alive anymore. But he would have, you know, demonic conversations with these creatures and people. And I think there was a lot of fake stuff going on. But when you saw a guy fully engaged in a conversation with a demon or whatever, that's not, that's not something you should be doing. You don't do things like that. Even if it's real, do not, do not engage in a conversation with a demonic entity. They will, they will twist you into a theological pretzel that you simply can't get out of. And they're that highly intelligent. So understand that about him uh, and the demons and the fallen angels too. Emotion. Um, we know that Satan is an emotional being because he's filled with pride and he hates. That's his two emotions, pride and hate. There's no love in him. There's no compassion. There's no mercy. It's pride and hate. And so when people do deals with the devil, and I know that sounds cliche, but they actually, there's people that do do these things, okay? Uh, whether it's rock stars or Hollywood elites, politicians, whatever, they do do deals with Satan. And um, because they don't understand who they're dealing with, they think, they think they're dealing with a creature that's going to be benevolent to them. But because he's with, full, full of pride and hate and hates them, uh, he will do a deal with them in exchange for something they have to give him. And the price they will pay will be more than what they thought for whatever they want. Is it fame, money, fortune, whatever? Um, they will pay a very high price in any deal they make with him. He takes more than he offers. He, do, he gives very little. Um, and they, they end up paying a high price. And a lot of times the people that make deals with Satan end up committing suicide. Um, so it's, it's not a good bargain. Uh, because they don't know who typically they're dealing with. And if you knew the emotion and the hatred that these creatures have, then you would back off. Now, 
I've seen a lot of demonic activity. I've seen people who are possessed. And um, one of the things I can say is exactly what the Bible says is part and parcel of their persona is their hatred of us. Um, if you have ever stared into its eyes, even a human being that's actually possessed, their eyes will go black. Okay? And when you look into that blackness of their eyes, you will see for a thousand yards away. It just goes on forever and ever. It's like you're seeing right through the person into this blackest darkness. And these black eyes, the black eyes is the trait. Okay? The black eyes are the trait. And as you're looking into these black eyes and this creature is staring back at you, you see forever in this dark cavern, so to speak, into them. And the emotion that comes from them looking at you through their eyes, through their eyes, is a hatred that goes beyond human capacity. It is so beyond human that if the person is not marked as a child of God, that demon would like nothing better than to kill them and slaughter them right on the spot. And, it, you know, if you're a believer, you're marked by God and you're his possession, so they can't do that to you, but they would like to. And you can see it in their eyes of how bad they want to destroy you. And, and I, I, I really stumble at trying to explain this because you have to see it for yourself. I'm not advocating to go see it. I'm just telling you, if you do see it, it will freak you out. You will actually start coming apart with the level of hatred that you see in these creatures. And obviously with Satan. They absolutely hate our ever-living souls um, to where the point they would like to just crush us and annihilate us. I, I've never seen anything on a human level. Now, that goes to say then, when you see evil atrocities happening in the world and it's beyond human, then you're looking at demonic activity through human beings, okay? So, like, when you see in Afghanistan, these Taliban are taking child brides now, that's on the level of demonic activity. It's so gross. It's so beyond human. Um, and, and that kind of activity just... The world can't understand it, but only you and I can, that, that this goes to the level of Satan. This goes to the level of demonic activity. And um, the emotion will be a, a murderous hatred, pride, just pervert everything, man. Just, I mean, if you think of like the worst sins out there, like pedophilia or slaughtering people and hundreds of people and and killing people, whatever, that's, that's that, at that level. And that comes from that emotion. Three, Satan has a will, so does fallen angels, and so does demons. They have wills. And now, as, as persons and beings that have individual wills, you can see the five-eye wills of Satan in, in what we just studied with Isaiah 14, 13 through 14. Um, but what you start noticing if you study Satan is he has power to give kingdoms of this world to whomever he will. And you see this in Luke 4, 6 through 7 in the temptation of the Messiah. 
Now, the kingdoms of this world belong to Satan. This is why it shouldn't shock you that the cosmos, that's that's a Greek word for for the kingdoms of this world, that the cosmos are controlled by Satan. Now, what Satan does then is he controls these kingdoms through leaders. So, so a lot of times Satan, well, fallen angels as well, spend a lot of their time with leaders. So at these other levels, whether it's Biden, whether it's Gavin Newsom, whether it's all these leaders in the world, Putin, uh, uh, Winnie the Pooh in China, whatever, Rocket Man, all these other guys, right? Um, He's spending a lot of time with them, influencing them, because he controls the kingdoms of this world. Now, if you recall in the temptation with the Messiah, Satan offered the kingdoms to him. It, they were his to offer, okay? So this is showing his will that he would offer them to the Messiah if the Messiah would bow down and worship him. Obviously, Messiah passed the test and didn't. Um, but uh, this temptation of offering the kingdoms will one day happen again. Can you guess when that will happen? Satan will offer the kingdoms to an individual once again. The Antichrist. Yeah, you got it. So when he offers the kingdoms to the Antichrist, the Antichrist actually will accept them. And then it's tater chip, let her rip, and it's off to the races, right, with this whole thing with Satan and controlling this man. And so it will happen again with the Antichrist. Uh, another part of his will is that people are captivated into his will. And we see this in 2 Timothy 2.26. Um, and so um, what we're seeing today in the world is that, yes, the secular people are captivated by his will, and they're actually doing his will, whether they know it or not, um, getting the world to create the beast government, the, the one world government, the digital currency, and all that that the Bible predicts. But what, what's interesting with 2 Timothy 2 um, is that it not only includes the, the world, but it can include believers. And that, that shouldn't shock us. I know people are not taught this, but a lot of believers are captivated into his will. They follow Satan's will, whether they know it or not. And usually Christians don't know it, but they're going along with, with everything. So, like, for instance, I, um, I was making a point on my prophecy update today. Um, like, you have these two knuckleheads out of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission from the Southern Baptist Convention, which I, at, my, at this point, every Southern Baptist pastor needs to pull out of the Southern Baptist Convention. They're completely woke. They're completely apostate. Anyway, this 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 guy and this girl is taken over for Russell Moore, who was nothing but a liberal leftist communitarian. So these two guy, these guys, this guy and a girl, I think they're husband and wife, came out and said, uh, you know, you guys, you Christians shouldn't be taking religious exemptions, man, because you can't prove that you're putting anything harmful in your bodies or anything with the vaccines, because the vaccines are safe. And then they quoted uh, some lunatic out of the L.A. County saying, oh, yeah, uh, unvaccinated people are 27 more times likely um, to be infected. That's a lie. It's a complete lie. And, and you know, the funny thing is, the Southern Baptists fund that. Okay? The Southern Baptists, so basically, 
the, the Ethics and Religious Liberties Commission of the Southern Baptists are telling people, telling the pastors, don't give vaccine religious exemptions. Does that tell you what side they're on? When they're, ta- they're saying, we're not going to do that? And I don't care what denomination it is. The Southern Baptists are the largest denomination in America. And when they're telling people from their, their main hub saying, don't give religious exemptions, the vaccines are fine and safe, we got a problem here because that's an outright lie. But what it comes back to is 2 Timothy 2.26. They are following Satan's will, whether they know it or not. Now, here's my question to you. If they're following Satan's will, how did they start following Satan's will? What caused them to go into following, well, we're going to pump vaccines, and we're going to tell them they're safe, and we're going to tell pastors not to give religious exemptions? How did that start? How did they get captivated by Satan's will? Any ideas? Stuart, hold on. Let me get the, the mic. Let's keep the volume on, guys. I I have a colleague that I work with, and he's been um, taking seminary classes through Southern Baptist to become a pastor. So he wasn't taking the vaccine until work said he had to. So I said, so then he went and preached somewhere up in the mountains, and his... Is the congregation there and said, "Oh, we're you know we're against vaccines." And he says, "Well, I've had it." So I asked him, "Well, why'd you have it?" He says, "I've got to do God's will, so that I can still go out in my field and do work." That was his answer. So, relating to what you said, why would they? They think they're doing they, God's they will. They think they're doing God's will in order to continue preaching. Get it. Wow. And go out there and work as a pastor. So the mentality there by you explaining that is we're dealing with somebody that believes the ends justify the means. That's that's who we're dealing with. And and guys, let me ask you this. Is the ends justify the means mentality biblical? No. The the ends and the means must be justified. Okay? You don't you don't say I'm going to do this for ministry and I'm going to violate principles in scripture in order to do ministry that's that's totally wrong thinking right there so good point Stuart. yes paul yeah most of it is they say they don't fear death because jesus overcame death yeah but when it comes to death they treat it like cancer when it's covid and they follow suit with the world and become like the world that's right yeah that's the thing you know where where is it's fear, and you're pointing it out. They're, they're operating on fear, you know? And, and here's the thing. I just, again, in my prophecy update, I pointed out, again, I did more research on about the death rates, and I'll show you tonight later on. Um, Amer- okay, America as, as a country, the death rates from COVID are 1.6, okay, for the whole general population of America, what, 330 million people, 1.6 death rate. Do you know what the flu death rate is? Between 1 and 2% every year. 
So COVID is in the middle 1.6 between 1.0 and 2.0 in the cold category. Yeah, there was no flu last year, right? All of a sudden, there was no flu. It just disappeared, right? And, and the point is, do the, is, it, is this about facts and evidence? And then uh, another thing I'll show you that came out of Israel that, that um, and, and later on today, and then I'll show you another thing that, that came out of another report, that they, they lied about the infections and deaths in the hospitals, that like half of the deaths were not attributed to COVID but attributed to heart attacks, all this other stuff, it's all coming out. So why am I afraid of a, th a thing that 1.6 mortality rate, which is like the flu, which we accept every year, and, uh, and why do we accept that um, a 90, 99% of the people will, will get over it? What, what, what am I afraid of? But why is this, this some death thing? So the Christians... Like Paul is saying, I want to follow the thought, are fearful of that. So it can't be based on facts and evidence, can it? Because if you looked at the facts and evidences and the numbers, the numbers don't add up. The numbers say you're, this is a, a flu. Of course, does it affect certain people? Of course. Who would, who would not? There's four morbidities that it affects. Type 2 diabetes, uh, overweight, hypertension, heart problems. That would affect people with the with pneumonia and the flu, if you had those morbidities, right? Um, and, and then the elderly, like 80, 80 over. Okay, well, uh, pneumonia and the flu and everything else would affect someone over eighty, right? With a, a a compromised immune system. Okay, so it can't be facts and evidence. So then, what are these Christians afraid of that are pushing the vaccine? What 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 is it? Is because it, it's not facts and evidence. What's making them afraid? Um, so I was going to say that, uh, some of the, some of the, I would say that like pastors that are, you know, doing the vaccine preaching and all that, as far as to get it, I think it goes with first Timothy six ten, which is for the love of money is a root of all kinds of, uh, evil. And I think, <laughs> I think they're actually motivated by, as you say, the nickels and noses and, uh, they're worried about their cash flow. Uh -huh. and they're not worried. Uh, they're not trusting in the Lord to provide, but they're. But some of them even probably took uh, the what was it? The PP. The PPP loans. money. Yeah. And uh, I think that's part of their conditions. Yeah. I mean, I don't have the contract in front of me. No, I. But yeah, that they're you're on to something. Yes, right there, right there, Richard. I got an internet from Randall Judah. Uh, I have been treated for prostate cancer and it's stated by my physician taking the vaccine would be a death shot for me. At yep. the moment, I would have no immune system yep. to fight it. Amen. He's totally right. That's totally right. Do you know, I mean, there's people in our church that their family members took the vaccine and those family members are now dead, right? You've heard about that, right? That's it's only here in our own little congregation. So just a sample of our congregation, and that's happening. That should tell you what's going on outside, and you're not being told it. So um, anyway, 
when you see people captivated into doing Satan's will, it's typically done through fear, but fear of something that's called a fake problem. And when you see a fake problem, and I'm not saying the virus is fake, because that was engineered in a Wuhan lab, but it's been hyped up beyond what it is. So when you see fear over cleverly invented stories, notice the term I used. That's scriptural. That they're going to tell you cleverly invented stories to make you afraid, to get you to do something that you would normally do, to get you to act on false information. And that is, and, and that, that strategy is hoping that the person will be lazy enough to not research. So if the person is lazy in understanding what's happening around them, they will be deceived. Lazy in his understanding of scripture and lazy in their understanding of just getting facts and evidence to make a wise decision in life. So what you're really seeing is the Laodicean laziness among believers to do their research. Therefore, hence, they will just believe what they're told. And, and what they're being told in some of these churches is exactly putting them in the will, not of God, but of Satan. They're actually helping to usher in the beast program. That's what they're doing. Now, they don't even know what the beast program is because they don't even know prophecy. So when they don't know that, they become an accomplice of letting this happen in society because it's happening in the churches. And so like I'll point out in our prophecy update uh, later tonight, the churches are now saying you can't come to church unless you're vaccinated. More and more churches are doing that. I'll show you tonight. And so all of a sudden you're following the will of Satan. That's what's happening. So this is a big deal uh, being uh, being involved in the being captivated by it. You do it through fear. Seeks who he may devour. First Peter five eight. So this is part of his will is to seek those he can devour. Now, what that means in devouring, what it entails um, taking their influence away, taking the, the believer's um, usefulness, that's the word I'm looking for, taking the believer's usefulness and taking the believer's influence away. So that's, that's the idea of a roaring lion seeking whom who may, may devour. Now, here's the question then. How would he take away your influence, and how would he take away your usefulness to the Lord? So this is what he's after. He can't take your salvation away, but he's going to take your usefulness and your influence away. So tell me what you think he would do to take that away. We'll go here, and then we'll go back there. Yeah, I, I, I think Satan, people tell Satan, what they're afraid of they <laughs> let him know through their words and actions and what you fear the most he thrives on that pot that he can tempt you with sure so he can take your usefulness away so so a good point and, and an example of this is the shutdowns 
He made the churches mostly useful who shut down, useless who shut down, right? They, were, they weren't functioning for an entire year. He took away their influence. He, take, he took away their, their, uh, their usefulness. And some of them are really never recovering from that, by the way, because of what they did. So there's a good point, an excellent point, Paul, right back there somewhere. He had the same. You, what, covered, no? you covered his question. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes, a lot of them didn't come back. Go ahead. It'll cause us to sin. Yes. So that's another thing. Tempt get, us. Yes. Get the get the, the 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 believer into sin and before the you know it they're useless because they're trapped in their sin. Now, here's what you have to understand about sin. Jay's making an excellent point. We're not talking about like you make a mistake, oh man, I shouldn't have said that, and then you repent and confess that, okay? And you move on. That's staying in fellowship with the Lord. The type of sin that Jay's talking about is protracted sin that's unconfessed and unrepented of. That the guy or the gal just completely ignores the biblical admonition to stop. And they say, I'm, I'm justified in doing this. I'm the exception to the rule, whatever. And they refuse to admit it, refuse to re- confess, and they stay in it. Okay? Now, this may not be just like your average Joe Blow out there doing drugs or visiting with prostitutes or whatever that might be. It could be a completely unbiblical attitude, hatred, unforgiveness, those types of things, more internal Pride won't correct that stuff going on in their life. If the person gets stuck in their pride or in unforgiveness or in bitterness or, you know, whatever towards somebody, they will put themselves out of fellowship and instantaneously lose usefulness. And if you, if you pride, if, if you notice a believer with pride, I mean, they will instantly disqualify themselves as being a good witness to the outside world because the outside world will not stand them. They can't stand being around them because they're so arrogant and prideful. And so they will lose their witness. And so back to Jay is that type of sin is what jacks up a lot of believers and they can't get out of it. So, you know, there's epidemics of sin going on in Christian community. You know what those epidemics are right now? What is the church dealing with right now nationwide? Go ahead, Jay. Well. Yeah, wokeness is one. I was going to say confusion. Yeah. Because people don't know their word good enough to know whether they're doing the right thing or the wrong thing, so they're being misled. That's right. Yes, but uh, the greatest sin probably is uh, is just being um, ignorant. You know? Yeah. And maybe that's not a sin, but. Anyhow, well, it is a sin if it were if the ignorance is towards biblical knowledge and biblical growth. That would be a sin to, with the with a person not growing, right? A person refusing to grow. But think about the current events, okay? Think about current events. Go ahead, Paul. So people are doubting their own yeah. salvation. They're they're allowing Satan to. If my pastor said it, I must believe it. My whole church is doing this. Yes. And they're just falling in line and feeling like I want to be accepted with everyone else. Yeah, and so an incredible herd mentality is now developing. 
a herd mentality. I, I, I recommend, um, if you want to, it's, it's pretty heavy reading, but, uh, get, uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn's books on the, uh, the Gulag, Gulag Archipelago. And you need to read what was happening in Russia. When you start reading those books and you see the mentality that was going on with the Russians in there, um, the people were just like, well, let me give you an example, okay? So in one of the books, he's talking about the arrest situation in Russia. So he got arrested eventually and put in the gulag, and like with a lot of others. But you know what happened? He saw a frenzy start happening in the people in Russia. And this is what happened. Once the government started arresting people for like no reasons, okay, like government clamdowns, just arrest you, take you away, disappear. People who, who were involved in that got into like a frenzy and just got on their high horse, power hungry, whatever, and just started arresting anybody that came in contact with. Like they got into a frenzy about it, right? Um, you walk by, and and they would just arrest you for no reason. And people were all hyped up and they were they were they were taking great pride in being part to help the Russian government arrest people who were adverse to the Russian government. And they were all pumped up. They would actually keep quotas, uh, not quotas, but uh, charts of how many people they arrested. And they were all proud about this. And people got hopped up on the power in order to arrest people. And I thought, oh, my goodness. I'm seeing the same thing in America, but it's not being arrested. It's with the vaccines. I'm seeing people, teachers, administrators, uh, healthcare workers, hospitals, get all hopped up on forcing people to get mandated. I, I, I said, oh my gosh, Solzhenitsyn uh, got it right, man, when he talked about that. And it's happening now in America. These people are all hopped up. The, the cash register girl at the grocery store, get your mask on. Who are you? Who are you? They feel empowered. Don't they? If you put them back in Russia, they'd be the same ones arresting you. It's weird. Go ahead. I had uh, let's, where we go. Okay, Stephen. Then we'll come back here. We got a mic up here, and then or back there, and then we'll come up here. Stephen. So if you watch the news, to see the Taliban beating people, and yeah. you notice crowds of people come around, start cheering them. So you just look for it, and you'll see them all of a sudden. They're encouraging. Yes. Them. I was at UCLA today. They have a mandatory vaccine. Come here to get fired. <laughs> Yes. And I talked to about 10 people. They were crying over it. Really? People that work there. And I locked horns with the doctor because, you know, I'm not afraid of these idiots. Yeah. And he said, well, we don't go down that road of vaccines. So just got to learn to outsmart them. Yeah. Tell them, hey, well, you don't want to talk about the vaccine, but you know the swab's got carcinogenic. So we don't want to talk about it. You just keep running around the corner of them and planting the idea because you know what other people hear it. And, and, you know, that's a doctor, Stephen, and you're making a good point. Doesn't he know the facts and evidence? They don't care. It's a narrative. The guy's probably a leftist. That's probably why. Okay, back here, and then we got to come back over here. So, Brandon, going back to, it, you know, why people are controlled or why they're making the decisions, it, I mean, I would assume that could also be an established beachhead and the legalistic of the demonic and control of their life. 
Absolutely. So let's let's capitalize on that real quick before we come to this comment. Um, we're going to study beachheads and how Satan gets beachheads or demons get beachheads or fallen angels get beachheads in our lives. And what Chad's pointing out is once a, once a beachhead is established in your soul, then that's the point of attack from them in this beachhead or from the beachhead. It's just like we establish a beachhead at Normandy, that type of thing. Satan will do the same thing with you. Okay, once they get an established beachhead, it's typically through a, a particular sin in your life, okay, that you've opened the door to. And what they will do is control you through that, through that beachhead with lies. And so they infuse thoughts into the person's head, make them think about things, and it twists their, their concepts of, of, uh, of reality. And that's how the person is influenced. And then it goes a step further. They can be suppressed, which means that the, the, the demonic or the fallen angel is holding the person down in that particular sin and influencing them. And so everything they see from, from that area will be from that sin. So if they're an alcoholic, if they're a sex addict, if they're whatever, their whole world will be wrapped up in that particular sin because they're being suppressed in it. They can't get out of it. Okay? And then it goes one step further to where if the beachhead is allowed more ground and they get more and more ground, the person will end up being oppressed. Okay? When someone's oppressed, they will start having weird occurrences around them. They will hear voices. They will hear things in the house. They will see possibly manifestations in front of them. They will have night terrors. That's one of the hallmarks of demonic activity in a person, um, especially in oppression, is they start having night terrors. A night terror is very different than a bad dream. A night terror is you will actually be harassed by these creatures. Uh, they will appear as monsters, they will appear as uh, beautiful people, and then what happens, they seduce you, and then all of a sudden they'll turn into a monster. Then they will attack you in the dream. They will harass you in the dream. And typically they harass you sexually in the dream. Okay? So when you study satanic, satanic um, rituals, what you'll see, they're, they're highly, highly sexual. Highly sexual. And, um, and so when, when you see these dreams that people have and they, they've conveyed them to me and, uh, and I ask them, okay, what happened in the dream? The dream, uh, is as bizarre as you could possibly get. It's an attack on their family. It's an attack on them. And it's real. It's not like something the mind is creating. It's actually in the spiritual world. And the demon takes them into that spiritual world. And it's, people can't wake up even though they want to wake up. People experience, um, uh, there's a term for it, the world gives it, but they're awake, but they can't say anything. Sleep paralysis. Was it sleep what? Sleep paralysis. Yeah, they call it sleep paralysis. Okay, so the medical industry will call it sleep paralysis. It's not sleep paralysis. What's happening is the demon is holding you down. And you'll feel pressure on your chest. They'll hold you down in that dream state, and you you can't. You'll have a hard time saying the name Jesus. It'll be very difficult for you to say Jesus. Now you'll 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 
try with all this energy and eventually you'll get the name out and once you get the name out it stops but you'll feel the oppression on you and they're holding you down and what it is is basically harassment it's not sleep paralysis it's harassment of you and so this is this is real deal stuff and and I don't know if you've experienced that but a lot of people have and they're Christians and they're like why is this happening to me well it's happening to you because you probably have come in contact with somebody um, that's messing with the demonic and or you're helping them and then they will actually come over and try to attack you to back you off from helping them. That's typical. That's been done to me many times. Um, and then, uh, or someone has a, a, an idol in the house or somebody has an object they brought in from a foreign country that's an idol or um, someone in their family is messing with the occult. And typically, the teenagers that usually do it, the parents are clueless of why they're having demonic activity in the house. And lo and behold, it's the teenagers who are messing with the occult in their rooms and, you know, with Wiccan, Ouija boards, you name it, tarot cards. They're messing with those things. And then that becomes a problem. So, Ty, let's get this guy a, a mic real quick. Yeah, go for it. Yes, it's after you mentioned... Um if you're dealing with someone, that was my situation, helping someone through a, a problem. So then the demon Satan came upon me, and, yeah. and uh, he will attack you for several hours. It's not something that just goes away in five, ten minutes. It's yep. several hours. Yep. But I wanted to get back real quick to the uh, church thing, church yeah. closing down. Yeah. And I saw with our church when they did that. And I was at the point where I wanted to do, since I didn't have another church I could have possibly gone to, um, but to go underground. Yeah. And so there were a few of us guys that met that way. Good. And, and Amen. Uh, so we weren't going to stop because of that, because we saw so many of the elderly people, um, they didn't come back. Yeah. You know, no, they, they did. They, they missed the church. Yeah. They missed. The congregation, they missed the relationship that they had with the individuals in the church. Mm -hmm. And so your heart goes out to them because, you know, now they're devastated. They don't have a place yep. that they could go and um, continue to experience the relationship that they had with the individuals that they uh, were meeting with at the church. Sure, sure. But, yeah, Satan's no laughing matter. No, he um, he doesn't play fair either. So like you said, I can't remember the stat, but there's a, a pretty high stat nationwide of people like senior adults when their church shut down, they never returned back. And they were just left out in the lurch by their church. In fact, think about this, how demonic this is. The pastor said when they reopened, you seniors don't come back. Yeah, they said that. And the reason why is, well, we don't, the, the excuse they gave was, we don't want you to get sick. That's bogus. That's bogus. That's demonic. But it's, that's bogus. And, um, and so it was, what, what happened with this whole shutdown is, it's extremely demonic, okay? Uh, right there, you guys. This is my logic on everything. Hi, I'm Jennifer. Hi. Um, you know, when they did the shutdown, they made everyone stay at home, so everyone clicked on the television, yeah. and it spread like wildfire. 
that's where the fear, that's where everyone started freaking out. Yeah, right. I, don't, I still don't watch TV. Sorry. I know. Fear monger. Um, turn the TV off, everyone. It's just it's a joke. Well, that yeah, Satan's greatest weapon has been TV. Uh, I mean, and using, using his useful idiots in the media to spread fear, it's a tactic. Because if you don't have the scriptures to back you up and you're just listening to talking heads... Eventually, that, 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 uh, they wear you down, right? They, you start getting socialized in, into thinking that way. And, well, you know, they keep saying it. They keep saying it. The vaccines are good. I'll just break down and do it. Yes, you know. No, it, no they, they, that's a tactic to wear you down eventually. You know the funny thing? Again, I'll, I'll refer back to Solzhenitsyn. I can't even pronounce the guy's name. Solzhenitsyn. Um, you know what he said? That when people got arrested and sent to the gulags, they were actually relieved and they would sing songs to Jesus. Because you know why? There was so much pressure on them that if they did something wrong, they're going to be arrested. And they were walking through life on eggshells. And so they actually felt better when they got arrested because they wouldn't have to walk on eggshells. Ah, oh, finally. And it's like the vaccine. They keep pressuring and pressuring and pressuring and pressuring. And finally, when these people get the vaccine, oh, okay, I've been vaccinated, get off my back. That's called wearing you down. That's what they did in Russia. That you would actually prefer to be arrested and in the gulag rather than walking out in the streets, walking on eggshells, whether or not you're going to be arrested that day. You see the mind job on that? That's satanic right there. To where you find, oh, I just, I'll just get vaccinated. Everybody's saying it. I just better just, I just better do it. Oh, no, you've been worn down. You've been worn down. A couple questions right, right there. Yes, ma'am. Well, with the uh, hospitals being closed to visitors, um, I worked in the hospital. Cruel. For 30 years. It's cruel. There are, uh, we would call families when, you know, patients, we didn't feel we're going to make it. They would come in and pray with the family. That was, you could just see a whole difference in the patient. Sure. When sure. someone was praying for them. Oh, yeah. So I'm just wondering how many souls are being lost, you know, and the devil is saying, yeah, sweet, you know, you're going to go. Yeah. And you're not going to get that last chance, you know. Yeah. To, you know, to, to be saved. And I think that's just an atrocity. In the same same way, these old people in the convalescent homes—that's um, the only life they had were their visitors. That's right. That's right. And they took that away, and so these people lost their. Well, you're making a good point because I just experienced this yesterday. So the medical field has taken the route of Satan. The cruelty again. Satan hates. He wants to destroy. Remember, I talked to you about these eyes and the evil. So if you go to a hospital. You're going to die alone because they're not letting family in. This is how cruel the hospitals are. I was in a situation yesterday. Someone from our church's father was dying. Okay, They wouldn't let the family in into the ER, vaccinated or unvaccinated. They're the Gestapo in the hospital. These people are are doing the work of Hitler, man. This is like on the level of the gulags. You can't come in. So this person's Dad is dying. They can't go in. 
And we tried everything. Well, and thank God we had nurses that were working in the ER that could report back to the family, tell them what's going on, because the, the stupid hospital would not make a phone call and tell them what's going on. They told them to stay home. Stay home. We're going to take your, 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 your loved one away from you, and you probably will never see them again. They'll die alone in that hospital. You talk about evil. You talk about cruelty. You talk about a lack of humanity. It's happening right here in Kern County. And these people are going to ask, one day answer for what they did. Because you're absolutely right. Pastor can't go in there, share the gospel. Even though the, we knew the person was saved, what if the person wasn't? They wouldn't let me in. They used to let me in, no problem. I shared the gospel. Before they, someone died, we'd see a lot of people get saved. They won't let you in now. It's so cruel. I'm going to tell you what right now, don't get sick, okay? <laughs> Do not get sick. You will end up in the hospital and you will die alone. Uh, they won't let your family in there. It's so cruel, guys, really cruel. Yeah, right here. Yeah, uh, the other day I was on my phone and I searched a Google search. And now every time I try and do anything, it, the phone thinks I need to look that up more. And I think Satan is using these devices, sure, using Facebook, <coughs> using all things to not just in the realm of physical, but machines, whatever. You're, yeah, let me. That's a good point. Let me capitalize on that. What you just said. I'm telling you what, guys. Electronics, digital, is highly tampered with with by the demonic. I'm telling you, um, behind AI is a lot of demonic activity. The inventors of AI, um, hey, you know who gave them the ideas? Oh, avatar, avatars. That's who gave them the ideas. Creatures from the future who are more evolved than us told them about all of this. No joke, man, no joke. And, and when you talk about electronics, the phones, I mentioned this on a Sunday sermon um, about, I, I don't know what I was talking about. I was talking about electronics, but I'm talking social media. The way social media was constructed, it was on purpose to get a dopamine rush for people on the Facebook, the Twitters, the Instagram. And you, you might say, well, I'm not, I'm not addicted. The kids are. They can't go without touching their phones. And what they found is every time, you know, something comes up on Instagram or Facebook or whatever and gives them an alert, the alert causes a dopamine rush in the head. Okay, you understand the dopamine rushes. You can get that from cocaine and drugs and people get dopamine rushes. Okay, what's the nature of a dopamine rush? If Let's just use cocaine, for example. So you do a line of cocaine... And all of a sudden, okay, you're high, but then the next time you do it, you're not as high. You won't get the same dopamine rush. So what do you got to do? More cocaine. That's the level of addiction. It just keeps going higher and higher and higher. Well, if you're getting dopamine rushes from Instagram, Facebook, what it does is addict the child to the phone. And before you know it, they're a full-blown dopamine addict and no one knows it, not even the parents. That's scary. Now, here's the deal. Put them in the real world. Put them in the real world after having dopamine rushes from, from early childhood through their teenage years and stick them in an office setting. 
What can you expect from a, you have put a functioning addict with his cocaine in your workplace? So how many times do you think during the day he's going to hit that phone? He won't work because he's more loyal to the dopamine rush than he is to work. They won't work. They won't work. And they'll get fired. Okay, back there. Uh, good luck trying to put this scripture, Mark one fifteen. Every time I put it up, they always block it. But um, speaking of the convalescent homes, uh, I'm not going to say it's Pinewood Glens, but when... <laughs> We were making deliveries out there. They were all on lockdown. They had them locked down. Yeah, we, every her. delivery week, we had to put their gifts and their sundries <laughs> at the door. And there was times that they had them locked up and their lunches and everything. They just slid everything in the door and, and they shut the door. And that, that, that's the cruelest. They were like in 24-hour lockdowns. I mean, I mean as, as like in prison. You know, and, and as you know, if you're isolated, you, you'll die. You'll start dying. You lose hope, and that's cruel. It's evil. It's wicked. And, and what makes me mad is the workers just go along. Okay? The hospital workers just go along. And I want to say, haven't you ever read or, thought, or, or saw the Nuremberg trial? Okay, after they, they lined they caught all these Nazi uh, soldiers and they said, Why did you do what you did? Oh, we were just following orders. That's what all these healthcare people are just doing. I'm just following orders. Oh, but at the same time, you're responsible for isolating someone from their family who's dying. You're gonna answer for that one day. You you take that to Jesus and tell him you were just following orders. See what he says to that. There's no moral compass. Doesn't the worker see, this is crazy. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to keep someone's family away from their dying parent. That's crazy. Come on in. Come on in. Right? How come people don't think like that? Oh, maybe they've been conditioned so much to be, uh, I'm just following what the government tells me. Because public school told me this. Government's good. The media's good. Right there. Yes, Ashley. Um, on America's Frontline Doctors, you don't actually have to talk to them over the phone or do a FaceTime. Yeah. Now you can just do it virt- like through emails only, and I got mine within three days. Did you? Excellent. Yeah, so yeah, if you, I, I've heard about that. If you, you bypass having a one-on-one call from the doctor, um, you can get a little faster that way. So thanks for that info. Yes, yes, yes. Right over here. Um, frontline doctors, if you like, make a tele a tele appointment with frontline doctors. You, that's the waiting game. Okay, so you can bypass that and just do it all through email, and it actually ends up being faster. Like she said, she got her meds in three days. This is just the email from frontline doctors. Go to frontline doctors. They have the email and and. But you start, you have to fill out that form and stuff that you, what, you know, what you're doing, why do you need this? And then I think there's a part where uh, I saw that you can just say, do you want, you know, interaction with the doctor or something like that or not? And I just chose not. And I was in, ended up getting my, my, my medication from them that way. And they just sent it to me. Um, I got three things. We got a little bit off track. We were down to the, um, I had that happen to me with the uh, with the paralysis. 
sleep paralysis, but it was demonic. And it was. And I did say Jesus in my mind, and then and then I was able to move. Good. And I was like 15 though, so but I'll spare everybody the details unless I'll put that in a book or something. But anyhow, <laughs> then and then the other thing is the incubus and the succubus are the yes. demons that that are actually you know uh, involved in that. Bam. And then uh, the kids nowadays are watching horror movies. They're 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 actually watching seances and everything else. They're bringing fear. They're they're tempting their spirit through watching these demonic movies. Every I mean, my kid still has nightmares from when they his big sister let him watch some stupid it movie, right? And and so you know they're just like it's deep inside their head, so they can't even go in a room without the light on. God bless them. I hope they grow out of that. And then uh, <clears throat> the other thing was secularism. Yeah. Individualism. That's that was the definition I thought of secularism. And then that equals selfishness. And selfishness is is opposite of what Jesus is. Jesus is selfless. Yeah. So a lot of the Christians in America, or a lot of the like us, you know, God bless America, we're 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 selfless. We're more loving. And so a lot, that's a big sin right there. We're talking about sin. The selfishness of most people, like everybody has their own little castle. They're not concerned about anything outside their castle. I mean, they've gotten to the point where it's like, hey, I'm going to lock myself in. And I don't care if that guy's starving. I don't care what's going on outside my wall as long as, um, as long as I got me and mine. Right. Because it's all about me and mine. And a lot of people are just straight selfish. I've even seen a lot of Christians that are straight selfish. So that's I think selfishness and what was that other one? Um, anyways, those are like big sins right there. That's the doorway it, it is. for Satan right there, for drug addicts, everything. <clears throat> and we'll get into uh, more of that later on. We'll get into more of the incubus and sec- uh, succubus uh, later on because it's a whole different ballgame. That people are not aware of, um, so we'll, we'll get into those J's. But those are openings to it. There's no doubt about it. Um, yes, right, right. Okay, right here, and then. So I was thinking about this last night about the desire of society for horror movies and whatnot. There's a there's an inherent, I guess, desire, interest, whatever. Um, yet society denies the existence of it. I know. Isn't it, that and, funny? It, it, do you? Is there? Do you have any thoughts on why that is, or? Yeah, yeah. Well, the 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 fact is, there is an unnatural curiosity with the occult. That's not, that's number one, and um, that unnatural curiosity can get people into trouble, and that's why they start doing horror films and and even watching movies about like you know you have movies like The Conjuring and and other demonic things of seances and stuff like that. Human beings know we're more than flesh and blood. They know, they intuitively know that the supernatural does exist. Um, and so they end up being gravitated to that supernatural element, but it's the wrong supernatural. Because the right supernatural is to be gravitated to the supernatural that comes from God. Okay? But they don't want to go to God. Right? They don't want to go to God. They don't, they don't want to admit that you know, who God is, his power, and there's angels, they would rather admit that there's bad spirits. Now, I want you to think about this. 
on a moral level, why would you be more apt to gravitate to evil or, or uh, bad spirits rather than to God or his holy angels? What, what would be... What would be the allurement? Okay, you got power there. Okay. Popularity. Popularity. Feel good. The sin nature is gravitating to that. Because he's making a good point about why people are gravitating to bad movies like that. And when they don't want to believe in the supernatural from God or the supernatural Bible and the resurrection of the Messiah, right? Why would they want to believe in that stuff? What... Believe it or not, okay, they're gravitating to the power, the sin nature is gravitating to it, but there's something fundamental to it. They like the supernatural, but there's a reason they don't gravitate to God's supernatural. So you, you got it. If I admit the supernatural with God, then all of a sudden I'm forced to obey. You have to be, because he's all-powerful. He's the eternal one. He's the creator. He created you. He has a right to tell you what to do. And you have to bow a knee to him if you admit that supernatural. But if you admit bad supernatural, there's no accountability. There's no demands that a demon will make on you. In fact, the, 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 the motto for Satanism is do what makes you feel good. So... They, so there's that natural curiosity with the supernatural and the power behind it, and there is power behind there. It's real, okay? But then there's no, no accountability on it. So I can act any way I want to act. So I think that's why you start realizing why kids are gravitating more to this rather than to God is, is we have a desire for the supernatural, but our sin nature doesn't want a desire to obey. So this evil ends up being more appealing. But th what they don't understand is that once they're in that world, they will be trapped. They won't get out. And like I told you, when people make a bargain with the devil, it's not like that Faust and he's going to sign a contract with the devil, right? It's not like that. When they open themselves up to get what that world provides, that opening is the contract. That opening to that world allows the demons, allows fallen angels to take full advantage of them at that point in time. And they can be possessed, they can be harassed, and probably end up committing suicide if they open that, themselves up to that world. It's, it's very seductive, but it ends up killing them. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Anchor Bible Study Podcast. We hope that this lesson is a blessing to you and helps grow you towards a more mature understanding of God's Word. Rock Harbor Church has another podcast called Anchor Sunday Sermons, and it's filled with past and present messages in Revelation, Genesis, and Exodus. If you enjoyed this message and would like to hear it, please check the description of this episode or search your favorite podcast streaming services for the Anchor Sunday Sermons. Support for both of our podcasts comes from your generous gifts and donations. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website, rockharborchurch.net. Until next time, remember, keep looking up, for our redemption draws nearer.